Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back. It's Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7. The score, David Hoff, Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. First hour flew by. More to come until 11. Talking to Joe Girardi in a little bit, Bruce. But the big news this morning from a Cubs perspective, we kind of I kind of chided him at the beginning of the show. The offseason really hasn't started. Does this count? I think Hector Neris is a, is a quality signing. One year, $9 million for a right-handed relief pitcher. Made 71 appearances for the Astros last year. Two seasons in Houston. Followed uh, beginning his career in seven in Philadelphia. What do the Cubs have in Hector Neris? Well, they have a power arm. Guy that's going to strike out a guy per inning over his career. Um uh, Last year was one of his better career years at age 34, David. He'll play at 35 this June for the uh, Chicago Cubs. Uh, a guy that uh, power setup guy, a lot of years in Philadelphia, last couple uh, with, uh, with Houston, part of the world championship team in 2022. So w- with all that, uh, with all that in mind, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly a, a good ad. As Jed Hoyer told us two weeks ago, the, the idea is, is that um, going, going the rest of the way here, the Cubs are in the fourth inning. Maybe they're, they're up to the, the fifth or sixth inning right now, but I'd, I'd say one or two more bullpen guys, Bellinger uh, uh, at the very least is what, what more they have to do. I think they have to, continue to add, I think they will. What did you make of Jeff Passan's report on ESPN this week that Scott Boer's clients are going to wait even longer, that it will be beginning the beginning of February, which is the next weekend, Bruce, before they start signing? We're talking about Bellinger. We're talking about Chapman. We're talking about Jordan Montgomery, three guys who have been at least in contact with the Cubs, certainly Bellinger. What did you think of that report before we go to Joe Girardi? that this is something I've thought all along. It's a weak free agent market, and he's still looking for leverage. He doesn't have leverage for his players. Otherwise, you wouldn't be hearing reports from uh, the better reporters in the game right now about what Scott Boris is going to do entering February, okay? We're, we're, you know, we're a couple weeks away from spring training. You think his clients are feeling good about their position right now? Probably not. Uh, if I had Scott as my agent, I would feel good because he doesn't need a lot of teams to usually get what he wants for his player. But on the other hand, 
you know, the wives, the, the kids, the families are going to want to know where we're going to go. Let's find out what marquee sports analyst Joe Girardi thinks of the Cubs offseason. Like all of our guests, Joe now joins us on the score hotline presented by Circus Sports York. Illinois. Joe, good morning. Welcome to Inside the Clubhouse. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Appreciate you, you joining us. And, and I guess this could, is a good segue because the Cubs signed Hector Neris this morning because they need help in the bullpen. They need help a lot of places. Their offseason has been somewhat slow. How do you describe what the Cubs haven't or why the Cubs haven't been more active and how concerned should Cub fans be as we sit here on January 27th? Well, I think they've tried to be active. You know, I think they've been on some guys that they didn't necessarily get. Um, they went out and got Imanaga. And, you know, I think it's it's a market that's kind of moved slow. And I think there's a lot of bargains to be had as time goes on. Um, you know, and I said, you know, earlier in October that I thought this would be one of the, the toughest off-seasons for the Cubs from a decision-making process because they have so many young players that are coming. And, you know, is a PCA ready? No one really knows. You know, I, you don't ever make too much of spring training in September. You just don't. Um, and there's some other young kids that are coming that are excited. You know, is Michael Bush an option at third base? Um, is Matt Shaw an option in the middle of the season? So I think it's tough from their standpoint is you don't want to get locked into a lot of long-term deals at certain positions because you may have players that are just around the corner. Joe, uh, great having you on. Uh, I wonder if you can give us a, a thumbnail a sketch of Hector Neris and how he was for you when you were the manager of the Phillies and uh, certainly a, a veteran guy that has posted pretty much uh, full seasons for most of his career. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved him. He's a workhorse. He'll take the ball anytime. You know, you have to tell him no. He will not tell you no. Um you know, he has that great split. He has the ability to strike people out. Um, he still has a fastball that's 93-94 that he could use up in the zone to play off of that split. So I've always really liked him. Um, I, I, he pitched really well for me. He pitched really well from Houston. You know, and he's pitched in a, a tough market in Philly, and he's pitched in the World Series and been successful in both. So I think the pedigree is there. I think it's a good addition because they need to, I believe, add to the bullpen because – I think Julian Merriweather took a real step up. I think Quas was good. You know, what is Luke Little going to do? You know, Hector has the ability to get lefties out with that split. So I think that really helps along with, you know, um, with um, Lighter Jr. So I think it's a really good move. Joe, you mentioned the addition of Shota Imanaga, the lefty from Japan, who I think slots in that rotation somewhere. Where do you think he could be? use and and how how would you evaluate his ability to make that transition you've had experience managing players who've come over from japan and the transition can take depending on the player it can be immediate or it can take some time what do you expect with imanaga well i think where you slot him is where you can get him on a schedule that he gets the extra days rest the most i think that's the best place to probably slot him if you can because they're going to need that with them because it is an adjustment for Japanese pitchers who come over because they're not used to the five-man rotation pitching every fifth day. So that's kind of how I would slot him. I think you're going to have to make some spot starts to kind of 
you know, get him accustomed to the schedule. You know, I think the Mets did a really good job last year doing that. Um, so I think that that's what you're going to have to look at. And, you know, the one thing is he, he is experienced, so that should help. But the schedule is something that you have to work around for a little bit until they get used to it. Joe, my, my favorite question for baseball people, and you've managed for so many years in the game and played for such a long time, is how impactful is a manager on a team, or is it all timing? And, and I ask that question with all due respect, because when you were fired by Philadelphia, I remember you coming on uh, MLB Network right away and saying, look, um, Rob Thompson's going to do a good job with this team. I think it's a very good team, and I th- still think it has a chance to win. You were right on all, and you were magnanimous about it. Uh, the reality of um, having Craig Council replace David Ross, how, how do you uh, put a number on differences that a manager can make in a given year on a team winning or losing? I think that where he has a chance to have the, the biggest impact is the maturation of the young players and the bullpen. You know, can he get more out of the bullpen? Now, he's had really good arms in in Milwaukee to, to go to in his bullpen, guys that have experienced, guys that have been great closers, rookie of the years, all-stars. And those are the things that he's going to have to really make an impact on. Spring training is vital for him to get to know the players and what makes them tick and, and the organization, um, who he feels that can come up and help when they need help understanding what that player has the ability to do. I, I think for Craig, he'll pay more attention in spring training than maybe he normally does just because he has so much to learn about his roster and guys that could be on his roster. But I, I think he can make a difference. I do. Um, I think David Ross did a really good job. I I really do. But this is the guy that, that has a really good pedigree and has won a lot, and I think that's why the Cubs went and got them. How many game difference is it? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you, you can really predict that. Um, it, a lot of times it really comes down to how the players perform in certain situations and tight situations in those close games. But a manager's personality can have something to do with that. Talking with Joe Girardi here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score David Hall, Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. Joe, let's go back to November because I do think that was such a – Shocking story, really. It's a yeah. cut, it's a cutthroat business, and you look around professional sports, and the NBA fires Adrian Griffin, the Bucks do, and they hire a Doc Rivers. You look at the NFL, and you know you you wonder about the Jim Harbaugh inclusion and insertion into into some teams, and are there, is somebody going to fire their coach to hire Bill Belichick? The Cubs did that with David Ross. They hired Craig Council. They did that with Ricky Renteria when they hired Joe Madden. As an old-school guy, as a manager who respects the impact that that role can have on a season, an organization, what was your reaction to the Cubs going out, firing David Ross, and hiring Craig Council? I was a little shocked because there was no mention of it, um, of him interviewing with the Cubs. Um, I thought you know, he was possibly going to end up in New York because of the relationship with the president there, or he was using it for leverage in Milwaukee, but I'm not shocked that he took the job just because there's a lot more resources in Chicago than Milwaukee. And Milwaukee has been extremely successful with the resources that they have. 
but I was not shocked. I, I, I think he sees that and understands that really the only thing that Craig Council hasn't done is win a World Series, and that's what he wants the opportunity to do. And a lot of time, resources have a lot to do with that, and maybe that's what he felt. Joe, when you uh, you, you look at the uh, the 2024 Cubs, they're incomplete right now, and uh, Jed Hoyer has been on record as saying they're only in the fourth or fifth inning, and signing Neris certainly takes them to a, another level in the bullpen. But when you look at the Bellinger situation, if he if if uh, if Jed sat down with you and uh, Carter Hawkins and they asked you, you know, uh, we can sign Bellinger back. Um, we've offered five and six years. We don't want to go past that. They, they want eight. We have a chance of losing him. How how would you advise them going forward, knowing that uh, Bellinger is uh, only a couple years away, you know, from having uh, two rough seasons and before that an MVP and a and a uh, and a, uh, and a uh, rookie of the year? How do you how would you evaluate that for them? What would you say? Well, I think the the eight years comes into play if you think that you really have a chance to win the World Series. Um, then you're you're willing to do that. Or you feel that a lot of clubs are making an eight-year offer and this is the guy you really want. My guess is he hasn't gotten an eight-year offer and that's why he's still out there. And, you know, I think it's, it's kind of like it, it's a game of chicken in, in a sense. I mean, that's what negotiations are. And I think that the Cubs have probably – don't want to go over five or six years. Um, and, and I understand that. And I understand the player wanting eight. Um, we all wanted security when we were players. And as I said, a lot of times there's a lot of good deals to be had at the end, at the end of January and early February, because players start to get a little itchy and want to know where they're going to go. I heard you talking about families want to know where they're going to go. And then at some point, I think you realize that, you know, six years or eight years, you know, six years at, let's just say 150 or eight at 200, is it going to change my life? And, you know, I think if you're Cody Bellage, you're probably saying no. And that Chicago's a place I really want to be. I love playing there. I thrive there. So I think it's just kind of waiting out. I think he knows he has deals on the table from clubs. And if he really wants to go someplace, I would tell him, you know, don't let someone else take your money. Joe, we have to ask you this week with Joe Maurer going into the Hall of Fame as a first ballot Hall of Famer, what you think about how hard it is for catchers to get into Cooperstown, what you think about Joe Maurer doing that on the first ballot, because it doesn't happen a lot. There's only 60, I think, guys who have been first ballot Hall of Famers, and even the list is much smaller when you look at catchers. He's got the ninth highest war among catchers all time, and yet there, was, there wasn't a lot of pushback, but a lot of people like, wow, I don't know if he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he was. I voted for him and believe it was the right move. What did you think as you, a former catcher, watched Joe Maurer enter uh, baseball immortality this week? Oh, I was happy for him, and I think he is a Hall of Famer. And sometimes I don't understand that, you know, whether you're a first ballot or a second ballot or a third ballot. I don't understand the changes, right? How do you get more votes or less votes? If you were thought of as a Hall of Famer by someone, then you're a Hall of Famer in a sense to me. So I never really understood that. Um, but, I mean, he was he was a difference maker. I mean, to win three batting titles as a catcher, that's nearly impossible. And the way he did it, 
and he played every day. And I know he got beat up at the end and, and concussions took its toll on him, but was there a more productive catcher in those 10 years? Probably can say no. And I think that's why he's a hall of famer. I think he had such an impact and he was good defensively. He was not just an offensive catcher. So uh, I'm not surprised that he got in first ballot. Um, as I said, if you're a Hall of Famer, I think you're a Hall of Famer. And, Joe, it, it, you had Jorge Posada, and there's been a lot of conversation about, well, you know, if you look at his offense and the way he improved defensively, and I know you had a tremendous amount to do with that as well uh, in his career, why not Posada? Why why isn't he gotten more love? Why was he off the ballot so quickly? Your thoughts on, on, on those type of arguments, especially for Posada? Yeah, I think that sometimes the offensive numbers get compared to to offensive numbers of the other positions, and, and that's not fair. I think you have to compare them only to catchers and catchers that played every day, like Georgie. I mean, Georgie played 130, 140 games a year. He hit home runs. He drove in runs. He was an on-base guy. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that he's a Hall of Famer. He was that good. But sometimes you get compared to the guys in your era, like Pudge Rodriguez, who was overall had better numbers than Jorge Posada. But when you look at Jorge's numbers, there aren't many catchers who can do what he does. And moving forward, how many catchers are going to do what he did? Because now they split the catching. Right. So, Joe, as we sit here three weeks before spring training, you'll be asked this a lot before opening day. But i just curious, as, as we revisit the whole Craig Council impact on the season ahead, what do you think will be the most obvious change? I don't want to suggest that it will be a shock to anybody's system, but when you're watching the Cubs on a daily basis and studying the lineups and the in-game moves and all of the things that we do when we are watching all 162 games – what do you think we will come away with and say, that is the biggest way that Craig Council has made his presence known? You know, I really don't know. I'm going to have to watch. You know, what I've heard him talk about is finding a position for Christopher Morrell. And that might be the biggest impact. Because I think you have to find a way to put his bat in the lineup every day. And you know what? He's going to go through 0 for 25s where he strikes out 12 times. But you can't predict when he's going to hit that big three-run homer or hit a two-run homer or, you know, hit a triple. And by trying to always figure out, you know, he's not swinging the bat well, I don't like this matchup, I don't like this matchup, I don't like this matchup, I I think sometimes he's not allowed to grow. And I think where it might be different is, you know, David Ross, he had to hear some of the noise. I mean, when you're a manager and you're not making the playoffs, you hear some of the noise and, 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 Craig Council's not going to hear that because he's been through it and he's coming in and he's got, I think, five years. And he's, I think he's going to stick to his guns with Christopher Morrell. And I think that might be the biggest impact because the one thing that I think this lineup needs and they lost Cody is impact bats. And that might be the, the biggest impact bat that they have right now. Joe, uh, in closing with you, David and I appreciate your time and, uh, you know, all the best. Hope you're coming back for more time on uh, Marquee this year. Uh, when, you, uh, when you look at Morrell, you know, uh, Hoyer and I have a difference of opinion on, on him, and he says, well, we think 
He can play a number of positions, so, so we're not worried about necessarily where he's at. I, I believe he he does play a lot of positions, but none of them very well. And that to, to just have one position for him where he can just go and relax and, as you say, make an impact uh, every 12 swings to maybe win you a ball game. Your thoughts on young athletic players who aren't necessarily very good at any position? I think that you have to ride it out, and you hope that in a lot of situations that one little miscue that he has defensively doesn't cost you a game. I mean, the chances are costing you a game are not great um, when you think about it, because there's a lot of teams that aren't great defensively that end up really deep in the playoffs. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. Um, a lot of times the best defensive clubs don't necessarily even make the playoffs. That's the bottom line, too. It's about scoring runs and outscoring the other team, and I think the value that Christopher Morale brings offensively will outweigh the miscues that he has defensively. Um, and, you know, I've had players like that over my career that you said, hey, you know what? Sometimes you just got to look away when they're out there defensively and, and let their <laughs> offense take over because it's, it's going to happen. And, I mean, the Cubs not have had they players catch. like that. Not if they right. catch, well, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but the Cubs have had players like that that, you know, defensively at times have had miscues, but they were great offensive players, and, and you let them carry you. Um, right. So I, I think that's what's going to happen with Christopher. The only thing that you worry about is that, and so far from what I've seen from him, he's able to turn the page, that a defensive lapse doesn't affect his offense. And I have not seen that from him in the, in the short time I've been with Marquis. Joe, we really appreciate your time. Enjoy the rest of the offseason. and really looking forward to you being back in the Marquis studio in the season ahead. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Joe Girardi, Marquis Network Sports Analyst. Uh, Bruce, a lot of good stuff to get to, into there. A lot of interesting ideas about this Cub offseason and Craig Council's impact. And uh, it's, it's something that I, I also like, don't mind when the guy says he doesn't know. When uh, how yeah. council will most affect the so the season and day to day. So during during the season when I'm in there in Marquee, you know, three to five times a week, and I see the analysts getting prepared for pre and post game, like Joe and the other guys, a lot of they do an awful lot of work. But I have not seen anybody work harder than Joe at preparing for his shows, uh, typing out and writing down information that he wants to bring to the table so meticulously, almost like he was managing the same way that he managed, keeping his notes uh, for that game. And uh, it was fun to watch because Joe is one of the more uh, interesting cerebral guys in the game and at the same time one of the, the best guys you, you'd ever deal with. I've known him since he's a kid, and it's, uh, it's just a, it's a pleasure watching him grow as a, as a baseball person these last Gosh, it's been 30, 35 years. Is he batting you eighth or ninth, Bruce? Uh, I'm on the bench. You're on the bench. Do you call him Binder Joe? Because he's always prepared, <laughs> and he ha- was as a manager, and he certainly is as an analyst. He's a treat for Cub fans, certainly. Yeah, terrific guy. He is a terrific guy. And the Cubs have a lot of terrific prospects that we talked about. They have seven in the top 100. The White Sox have the highest-rated prospect on that list. MLB Pipeline released it on Friday. We'll talk about it next. It's inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Two balls, two strikes. Here's the pitch. Hit well. Deep right. Now back to the wall. It's gone. Peter Crow Armstrong, one word, superstar. Walk off to run homer. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. And always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. That highlight courtesy of the Iowa Cubs. Thank you. Pete Armstrong, superstar in the making. He's one of the seven prospects, Bruce, ranked among the top 100 by MLB Pipeline, the Cubs have more than any other team. And PCA, as they say, is the highest-rated Cub prospect at number 16 overall. I think that Cade Horton, your guy, you told us to kind of keep an eye on, and I remember that. He is at 26, right-handed pitcher for the Cubs. Keep an eye on him. Colson Montgomery, the highest-rated Chicago prospect, we said at number 9. Overall, Bruce, what do you think? Which of those prospects makes you the most excited? Which of them are you most eager to see ascend? Well, I'm eager to see them ascend for the Cubs and some of them for other teams uh, because I, I hope some of them are used in trades where the, the Cubs can start fortifying another championship run for themselves in 2024, 25, and beyond. That's what building a strong farm system is all about. It's not about just hey, we're, we're just going to go with our prospects and we're going to win a championship. Doesn't happen that way. And, uh, you know, you saw the way that the Cubs had to do it the first time around when they had great prospects like Glaber Torres and Eli Him- Eloy Jimenez and a guy by the name of Dylan Cease we've been talking about all day. Those guys ended up being pieces of a world championship team uh, for the uh, Cubs, but playing somewhere else because uh, – they, they needed to trade those guys to keep their trek going and stay competitive for five, six years where they were in the run for the playoffs. Uh, that's how it works, and I'm sure this won't be any different. Will Pete Crow Armstrong be the starting center fielder for some other team? Hmm. Uh, you know, that you know that's, it might shake you up a little I hope bit not. to think I about. I hope not. I hope he stays yeah. a Cub. I, I want you to talk me out of something here, Bruce, because I feel myself going in a direction that I fear. And sometimes when I do that, I do get a little little bit over my skis. So I need you to, to talk, me, talk me down in here. The prospect that I'm most excited about among the seven that the Cubs have in the top 100 is the guy that when Joe Girardi mentioned him, my ears perked up. Yeah. My curiosity was piqued. Matt Shaw's at 54. Matt Shaw has 
Been shot out of a cannon since he was drafted. He's 22 years old, middle infielder right now from Maryland. Big Ten Player of the Year, I think he was. Recent draft pick, high draft pick. Bruce, he's been playing third base this winter. He's been working at third base and kind of nonchalanted the idea of why it would be an adjustment. Matt Shaw coming up quickly, rising through the ranks, makes me wonder, could he get a cameo in 2024? What do you think? Oh, it depends uh, where the uh, Cubs are at, what their needs are as they, they go toward, uh, you know, July, August, September. Look, to me, Matt Chapman has never made any sense for the Cubs because of Matt Shaw, okay, hmm. and because of, uh, because of morale. You know, th- those are likely uh, big-time big prospects, power hitters uh, at uh, third base. You, you don't want to be tying up Matt Chapman there for the next five years. He's a good ball player. But, at, you know, at age 30, 31, you know, why would you want to be spending $25 million a year for that third baseman when you can be developing your own? To, to so, win now? To, to win now? I, that, that's the thing that I find myself kind of caught in between. I do want to stay consistent with this idea that you go out and you spend $40 million and poach the manager off the, off the best team in the division – you're saying that you're going to win now, so don't later, a few months later. I don't think that's what they're saying. Okay, what are they saying then? That's what I guess I'm wondering. They're saying, because they're saying we have our we have our manager leader here for the next five or six years. Okay. That's where we're going to do our winning. We're going to be a consistent championship caliber team like we were from 15 through 20. Okay, we want to do that one more time here. That's that's where it's at. Mr. Ricketts, you know, laid down the law to. The front office, back when Theo was still there, he said, hey, look, uh, you've done a great job. You're going into the Hall of Fame. We love you, but you didn't build us a farm system. We need a farm system. That's where we're going. That's how we build our next uh, cachet going forward to win a championship. And, and then we'll, uh, we'll take it from there. But we're not spending $300 million every year mm. to try to win a championship by going out and getting three, four free agents every season. Okay, but can't you marry the two ideas? And let me ask you this, because we talk about Cody Bellinger, and I understand the, he- the hesitation when you're talking about five or more years. I get that because of the way that variance plays a role in baseball in these long-term contracts, the way that Bellinger fell off the cliff in L.A. as well. I get that, but Bruce, if you're going to argue, not argue, if you're going to make a good point and fair point about, well, this is all about the long game, so you're not going to overreact and get, say, Matt Chapman because you've got Matt Shaw in the pipeline, and this is really more of a three- to five-year plan than it is a a six- to eight-month plan because winning next year isn't as important as sustaining success. Don't you apply that as well to your philosophy on long-term contracts for a guy like Cody Bellinger? Yeah, but you you also don't want to stand in the way of developing these really good players. I mean, all the prospects. If, Come on, Bruce, don't if, fall in love with the. If possibility. the Cubs had a flaw last year, David, the Cubs had a flaw last year. It was not developing Christopher Morrell into a position player. Okay, that's my thought. You know, they the, it was a wasted year defensively for Christopher Morrell at age 24. He should have been trying to master or at least be good at playing one position. You don't always say about these guys, well, he can play anywhere. No, no, he can't. He's not any good at everywhere. He hit 26 home runs, Bruce. That's not a wasted year. He's got to be out there every day. Every day he's got to be out there at a position. Thanks for making my point, David. I appreciate it. He needs to be at one position every day. 
DH is for an older player. It's not for this guy. Put him at third base. He's your third baseman. He'll make 15 errors. Mike Schmidt made 20, 25 errors to begin with his first years at third base. Turned out to be one of the better third basemen ever to play the position. I'm not saying that's going to be this situation, but... Let the guy just uh, have a position. I Go out there make and get your point for you. Bats. You don't have one. Christopher Morrell did not have a wasted year because he hit 26 home runs and 388 at bats. That's not a wasteful Still anything. Still doesn't have a position. He I, has no position. Oh, Bruce, let me remind you. He's 24 years old. Man without a country. I mean, he's got 26 home runs and 388 bats. How many did he hit at Iowa before they figured out, hey, he should be up with the big league club? Another another 10 or 11. Yeah, he's got to play every day. Thank you. We're arguing the same thing, okay? We're basically arguing the same thing. He's got to be playing every day, and it's not at DH. Okay. Okay? Uh, so right. how does that factor into what the Cubs are going to do this season? I'm still worried about this roster because it still is very incomplete. And if they don't get a Bellinger, if they don't get a major league power hitter to add some punch to that lineup – the expectations for 2024 are going to feel a lot different and be a lot different than I expected when I sat there at the Craig Council introductory press conference thinking this is a team series about winning a World Series now. Yeah, I, you know, and again, I'm not saying that your thinking was flawed. I would say that it's different from mine, okay? That's, I, you're, looking at, you're looking at what you should be looking at. 2024, you want your team to win this year. I agree. I want the White Sox and Cubs to win this year, too. However, uh, building a good organization, one that can be competitive every year, is all about developing your, your own players, making stealth trades, and, and, and then free agent signings that make sense. The Cubs did that the first time around. I'm sure they're going to try to do that this time around. Uh, Neris is a nice step forward for them in the bullpen where they need at least – I think two other guys mm-hmm. in the bullpen, another right-hander and a left-hander. You know, there's a concept. It's good to have a bullpen for 162 games with a left-hander in it. Okay. I know Neris gets lefties out. I know, <clears throat> I know that Mark Leiter Jr. got lefties out. Nothing wrong with having a left-hander. They didn't have one last year. Okay. So they need to, to move forward with that bullpen. I'm, I think that they're 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 still going to make some really good moves and be uh, the, the probably the the choice to win their division uh, come March 26th or 27th whenever the season starts this year. Uh, but uh, they, as you said, they still have a lot of work to they do. They do. I don't trust the reverse splits on righties. They did that last year, had some success. I wouldn't go into another season without a trusted lefty in the bullpen. That's a great point, Bruce. And I wonder where they're going to find. That guy, we should remind people if they're just getting in their cars or turning us on late in the first hour, we talked about how the Cubs signed Hector Neris to a one-year $9 million contract, two years with the Astros, previously with the Phillies. Joe Girardi, who managed him, talked about him being one of those guys. I love this description, Bruce. You're going to have to tell him no because he's not going to tell you no, which means he's a workhorse. Right. Uh, Again, when does that – look, at age 35 – if you look at his record, 70, 70, 70, 70, you know, 25 during the strike shortened uh, or during the uh, COVID shortened season, but always 65, 70 appearances. The guy has been a machine 
hopefully he's like Pedro Strope. He's got a couple more years left in him. Uh, it's 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 something that really uh, hopefully is the beginning of a very good bullpen for the Cubs. Did you were you mildly surprised? What was your reaction, Josh Hader, to the Astros? That was a guy that got a little bit of buzz, and you wondered about a Craig Council like reunion in Chicago was likely never going to happen here, though. At age 31, I'm not giving any bullpen guy five years. Okay, I'm not giving Raleigh Fingers or. Hoyt Wilhelm or Lee Smith or uh, Trevor Bruce, Hoffman. Bruce, five you got to stop making those references to the to, people. Are like, who the heck is Hoyt Wilhelm? You know who it is. Don't start playing. <laughs> I know that who game it game. is. No. no, don't start. Don't start. I'm don't sorry. start pretending you're 25. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying, Bruce. Don't, I'm don't trying. Go, don't go. Don't go that old man thing with me again. No, no there's not. No, there's, there's a couple other old men who were baseball honored. fans will surprise you. They actually know. They actually know the history of the sport. But look, uh, Mariano Rivera, Hoffman. I'm not giving those guys at age 31 or 32 right now, uh, five years. And I'd be wrong. I'd be wrong about both of them. But in general, I'm not going to be wrong about uh, giving five years to, to Hayter. We'll, we'll see how that works out. He's a dominant one-inning pitcher. That's all you can expect from him. He's, he's great at it. He's on a Hall of Fame truck. Let's see where he goes. Now, Hector Neris signing with the Cubs was one breaking news uh, nugget and story that broke this uh, during our show. The other one was the Bears hiring Eric Washington as a new defensive coordinator. Eric Washington has been in Chicago before on the staff, most, most recently with the Buffalo Bills, joining Matt Eberflus's staff as a defensive coordinator and breaking news on 670 The Score, presented by BetQL. Smarter bets start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Speaking of football, Championship Sunday. Yeah, that's tomorrow. And you can listen to both games free with the Odyssey app. Tune in tomorrow when Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs take on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in the AFC title game. Coverage begins 1 o'clock on the score. And then the 49ers and Brock Purdy host Dan Campbell and the Lions in the NFC Championship game. Kickoff at 5.30. The game will air on WBBM News Radio 780 due to Bulls basketball and Chuck Sorsky. So take the NFL playoffs wherever you go with 670 to score and the free Odyssey app. We're going to wrap things up here. Ninth inning of Inside the Clubhouse. When we come back, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. High and inside. Oh, chin music. A little chin music. Take that hit for a ride. It's time for some chin music. Hey, um, how about a warning? Sure. Watch out you don't get killed. <laughs> because sometimes in baseball, you've got to send a strong message, especially when someone has it coming. Each Saturday, David and Bruce come in high and tight with a response to something that deserves one, like this. He's unfazed by this. I talked to him yesterday. You know, it was, it was a great conversation, and we talked about him opening day. You know, and he's preparing himself for opening. He says he feels great. He's throwing pens. He's, he doesn't have any soreness. He's excited about you know, this club, uh, he's excited about the guys that we've acquired. He's excited about our catching. He's unfazed by this, um, you know, by the, all these trade talks and all, the, and all this stuff. And, you know, if, if it happens, he understands right. the business. Um, but like I told him and, and he told me right now, he's our opening day starter and get ready to do that. Wrapping up inside the clubhouse with a little chin music, Bruce, Pedro Grafal, Dylan Cease, his opening day starter? 
Dylan Cease will start opening day. Will it be for the White Sox? What do you think? No way. Zero. I mean, I, I think this is one of the great stories that we've kind of like Zero. glossed over um, this year because – David, think about all the years you've covered baseball, all the years you've watched it, all the years our listeners have watched baseball. Have you ever, do you ever remember from November on, the entire offseason, a front office saying, hey, um, we, we have this great pitcher. He was a runner-up for Cy Young. Um, but you know what? We're, we're probably going to trade him, okay? And uh, if we don't, he's our opening day starter, which he will be as – Pedro Grafal said in that soundbite. But, David, I don't remember this ever in baseball where a team openly talked about the fact that they're going to trade their best pitcher uh, if the right deal comes up. I, I think it's great. Don't get me wrong. I, th- I think that type of transparency and no BS from the White Sox front office is refreshing, but I don't remember it ever happening before. I just wonder how – that affected the leverage, if you had any, if it matters, being as open as they've been. I do think it probably got Dylan Cease's attention, as he alluded to in an interview, I think it was on the Foul Territory podcast. I don't know about 0%, Bruce, because I think that it's going to be difficult. And also, there's got to be somebody in that room with Chris Getz, who was a great guest at 930, hit the play, uh, the Rewind app on your Odyssey app. I, I, I don't know if you go into the season, Bruce, the market's going to – get bigger because teams are going to want it. Maybe there's somebody contending that doesn't expect to contend. Maybe the Orioles are going to feel like they need that pitcher even worse than they do now. Maybe you, if you go toward the deadline, it's going to get even better in terms of the return. David, you can't let him get hurt. That's a good if point. If he gets hurt, you are totally screwed. <laughs> okay? That's a good I mean, point. you're not winning anything this year. You're not winning anything next year, okay? That is just a harsh reality. You're not, you're not planning on winning until the next year or the year after. He will be long gone. He's not going to be a part of your team. You cannot afford to let him go out there and hurt himself. Okay? Can, I, can I offer it another just, alternative? Sure. They aren't winning now. I understand the need for prospects, but I guess I, if I'm having this conversation with Chris Getz and company, I'm asking, okay, what would it take? Would it be smart? Do we go long-term? Do we go into $100 million range to sign somebody to a contract like that? No? He's not signing. Okay. Don't remember who his agent is. That's okay. True. All right. He's not signing. Look, I would say generally your your way of approaching is right. You know, like, hey, we have this great commodity. Let's give him a three year extension. You know, make him rich, thirty million dollars a year. You know, times three. He'll make, well, let's add a hundred million dollars on. We have him for five years. Great deal. Scott Boris will have. He'll have none of it. You know, it's it's not happening, okay? So with knowing that, he must be traded by by before opening day. Bruce has declared Dylan Cease must be traded. Just use your, your baseball common sense. King Bruce, I love it. All right, Bruce, that music means it's time for us to get out of here. We have a lot of people to thank. Absolutely. Uh, Robbie Trinos, our, our great uh, producer, thank you very much. Joe Girardi of uh, Marquee Sports Network joined us. General Manager of the Chicago White Sox. Thanks so much, David. Great job. See you in two weeks. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate it. Ready to pinch hit for you next weekend. Robbie Triano, our producer. This is a big weekend for the Lions fan, who is a product of Gross Point South, same as Chris Getz. 
he had kept that quiet during the entire interview. I'm glad he didn't jump on and say, I was the one who nominated you to get your jersey retired, Chris. Was it, Robbie? Maybe? <laughs> I, I was close. All I right. was close. Anyway, thank you for Stop all your Stop making work. a gross point, would you? <laughs> That's your job, Bruce. Thank you for everything you did and lining up the guests and all you do every week. Talk to you Monday on the Mullen Hall Show. Thank you for listening to Inside the Clubhouse. Steve Rosenblum is next. It's Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.